Hello and welcome to episode 351 of the Dan York Report. I'm coming at you from Belgrade, Serbia, where I've been here for the past several days for the WordCamp Europe 2018 event. This was my first WordCamp event, period, and also my first time at WordCamp Europe, but what an experience it truly was. First, I have to start by complimenting the organizers, the organizing committee and the 170 volunteers, the 54 organizers, all of that. It was uh, an exceptionally well done event. You know, in my line, I go to a lot of events, I do a lot of things, I've helped organize a good number of events, and, and this one was just very well done. I really liked it. It was a big space at the Savov Center in Belgrade, so it was a lot of area to cover, but uh, they did it well. They had a multiple tracks, multiple different workshops, sessions. It uh, all around was a great event, but what for me was interesting was just to look at the state of where WordPress is today and, and to look at a lot of what was going on. Now, you might say, why did I go all the way to WordCamp Europe? Uh, largely because there was a, a three-hour workshop on the GDPR, the EU's Global Data Protection Regulation, and also about how to improve privacy in WordPress. And given the proximity to the GDPR deadline, it was a chance for me to come over here to Europe and talk to people who are directly involved with it. As that particular session said, we're going to have more of this type of privacy legislation in the United States but uh, but not quite yet. So it was interesting to look at what was going on from the GDPR space. I'll talk more about that. But the sessions, I mean, overall, they were quite busy. There were over almost 2,100 people on site, according to the registrations. And I think, if I caught it right, there were around 800 people participating in live streams. Um, and I think it was 76 countries had people on site. It was quite remarkable to, to look at what uh, people were doing. Uh, I guess I'll give a kind of a little walkthrough, I started out at a session called the World of WordPress, which was talking, it turned out to be a whole session on distributed teams and how to work with them and what to do with them. But what I actually found interesting was the way that the presenter, Paolo Belcastro, he used a tool called menti.com, M-E-N-T-I. I had actually never seen this one being used for presentations, but it was quite powerful in the way that Paolo used it. It allowed him to do real-time voting um, and interaction during the session. So what, where you go with that, of course, as a presenter, you're often trying to engage the audience. And this provided a, a platform, a way for him to do it, where people could either go in through a web browser, as I did, or through their mobile phone on a web browser, or through texting on a mobile device, and be able to get questions that Paolo raised and then provide real-time results, and then it would show it up there as bar charts in real time, or it would show uh, line charts or various different kinds of um, things. It was, um, it was quite powerful uh, as a way to deliver. So just right off the bat, I, I found something new as a tool that I could potentially uh, use in different ways. And then I, I spent a chunk of the time going to accessibility sessions. Uh, some that were actual just, uh, there was one that was a session, there was another one that was a three-hour workshop looking at how to test accessibility. And much of it was things I, I already knew in ways about how to go and look at so making sure that you're not using color as a single indicator to ensure that your contrast ratio is correct, that ensure that your typography is correct, looking at different textiles. There were some interesting parts. It was uh, interesting to hear that uh, the, there's a common trait I'm seeing about people about not underlining links on websites and the feedback from the accessibility community that this is pretty terribly bad because it doesn't provide any kind of clue that that's actually a link in some way. Also, good old things like semantic markup. 
you know, and using things, structured headings, using H1s followed by H2s, H3s, things that those of us who grew up in the early days of HTML and took the purest view of that have always done, but today it's very common, and I admit it's even with one of the sites I'm involved with, where people have chosen headings based on the size, on the font style, on whatever it is, you know, based on the default CSS configuration rather than the structured form. And the structured form helps screen readers, helps, you know, tools that are being used for people uh, who need different ways of interacting with it. Uh, you know, it's a lot of good stuff. The whole the workshop that was on uh, testing for it went into uh, a number of the different tools that are out there. There were some cool ones that I had never seen before, like a tool that would let you go and uh, and basically take a part of your screen and show it as somebody would if they were colorblind or a variety of other different kinds of disabilities in different ways. And one of the interesting aspects that was brought up in both, of course, is that, you know, Developing your site and ensuring it's accessible is not just good for people who might be deaf or blind or other things like that, but as they pointed out, the bots that crawl your site for Google and other search engines are also deaf and blind, and accessibility is really good for SEO in so many different ways. Uh, there were, you know, uh, just lots of tips and things. I'll try to write some up in some blog posts if I have. Um, there were some other pieces about you know not doing animation about icons and don't don't make me guess what that icon is provide some kind of clue uh, there were some pieces around that went to a session on caching that would really talked about some of the different types of caching and some, gave me some tips for our the own the internet society sites and some other things that we do to to look at some things to tune in some of the caching that we do Matt Mullenweg, the co-founder of WordPress, CEO of Automatic, etc., he was there and gave a, a, a state, of, state of WordPress type of talk. He also announced that WordCamp USA for 2019 and 2020 will be in St. Louis, but he talked, of course, a good bit about Gutenberg, why and where and the status of where it is. Uh, he re really believes that there will be a feature freeze coming up this month in June on Gutenberg and where it goes and they'll start really encouraging hosts to move and, and using wordpress.com as a way to help move along with uh, more in July and in August support in mobile apps and maybe a WordPress 5.0 as early as July. So for those who've been holding off to experiment with Gutenberg, your time is now because it's coming up really soon in, uh, in the, the world of things. If you don't know what Gutenberg is, I need to do a whole episode around that, but it's the new block-based editor coming up for WordPress and will be coming up in WordPress 5.0. Uh, you know, it, it was interesting. I went to the PageSpeed workshop and the tools that they were using, Google PageSpeed Insights and WebPageTest.org, were ones that I was familiar with, but the instructor dove into a bit more with WebPageTest.org than I had uh, done and showed me a few tips and tricks that I, I just didn't know. Also pointed out that, you know, websites need to be using HTTP2. There's a reason why Google called it speedy before they brought it to the IETF to standardize. It substantially increases the speed of your sites, and I discovered that one of mine that I'm involved with is uh, doesn't use it. So right there is a quick change that could be done to start serving out content over HTTP2 and potentially seeing a, a good performance increase right there alone. There was a long talk uh, from the folks at Google about Google AMP 
And it's interesting because uh, I remember back to the early days when AMP came out, the accelerated mobile pages, and there was a lot of concern about the fact that it was basically, in some view, locking you into a, a, a um, you know, Google's ecosystem, locking you into their version of HTML, locking you into different pieces like that. And uh, it's come a ways since then. There's a new AMP plugin that uh, Google has jumped in to help out with, and I'm looking forward to trying it out and seeing what goes on with that. I, I'm still, I need to, personally, before I go much farther with AMP, I need to understand a bit of the structure and the place and how it works and use it myself to see if my philosophical issues are still there. But it, uh, it has a lot of potential to really speed up the mobile web and to speed up the ability of us to provide, you know, delightful user experiences, fast user experiences, doing things like that. There was some, you know, stats that were coming out. Uh, 53% of mobile site visitors leave after three seconds of load time. And we've all done that, right? You've pulled up a website on your web browser on your smartphone, and, you know, after a couple of seconds, you're like, no, I'm done. I'm going to go somewhere else. It is so important, and AMP is one of the tools out there yet to be seen exactly whether it's the right but you know a lot of interesting stuff they're doing a lot of things to make it work with Gutenberg a lot of a uh, lot of more stuff on that line then the three-hour workshop I did on the GDPR was good Heather Burns uh, web dev law on Twitter has been doing an amazing amount of work within the WordPress community to go and help bring this whole topic of privacy by design and, and privacy regulations to the fore and, and has worked with a whole team of people, so many of whom were there in the room helping her out and, and really you know, brought things to where there was not only the 4.9.6 release of WordPress recently back in May that had some tools to help people become compliant with the G GDPR, but they've also got privacy baked into the core now of WordPress as a, as a core function, as a core division area, I guess you'd say. And so the core privacy work is now continuing to look at where what goes on because, as she reminded us, the GDPR was just kind of the first phase of European data protection regulations that we have to take, we have to be worried about. We have another one coming in about a year now, which is the e-privacy directive, which will be replacing the e-privacy directive of 2002. So this will be the 2019 version, which will be the cookie law, basically covering the privacy of data in transit, cookies, telemetry, all of those kind of things. Uh, Heather did a good, I think, session around talking about the theory behind privacy and focusing on the GDPR and the pieces, but then also talking about the challenges, cultural and legally, that we have within the WordPress community, but I'd argue within the larger internet community. And, and they really come down to a difference between the European view of privacy and the other countries that subscribe to that and the American view. And, and it was quite, you know, it resonated with me as she talked about this because the, you know, the whole, in, in Europe, in European, the cultural approach really is that privacy is a fundamental human right. Right? And, that, and also that people trust governments and fear businesses and they have a culture of collaboration among governments, businesses, others, and all of this. Whereas in the U.S., we see free speech as a fundamental human right and trumping privacy. It's more important that we have free speech or the free right to do things with information, etc. And we don't have as much a collaboration as much as we do. You know, lawsuits first, sue now and... and you know, collaborate later in some way. And 
In the U.S., it's typical to say that we people fear the governments and trust businesses. Nah, you know, not entirely. We don't trust businesses either, but we trust them more than we often do governments in different ways. So it was uh, it talked about the legal issues uh, and then dove into the tools. And if you haven't taken a look at 4.9.6 for WordPress, there's some great tools there that let you export personal data, let you erase personal data, let you help create a starter tool for creating privacy notices. There were also a good number of developer guidelines and other tools that people could use to help make a more private uh, website in different ways and a more private user experience. There's more to come, right? Not only the e-privacy, but there's some other pieces to make it more uh, private. Uh, one that is particularly concerning to me is what we can do as an ecosystem around tracking, around trackers. Um, little issues like when you embed a tweet, you wind up with a couple of trackers from Twitter. When you embed a YouTube, when you drop a YouTube URL and use Oembed, you automatically get a double-click tracker because it uses the suggested videos as part of things. There's a lot of things that, uh, that I'm concerned about there. Others are concerned about plug-in privacy, about consent and logging. And there's a lot of pieces that are there. There's some good work um, if you're interested. Uh, I'll put some links up to uh, the talk and to where you can learn more and become involved. Um, there's a lot still to do and there's a lot of opportunities for people to participate in some way. So it, in the end, it was, uh, it was a great event. I learned a lot. I refined. I, I learned that I did know a lot, but I also had a lot more to learn, of course. Um, I'm looking forward to future WordCamp events. The WordCamp US is happening December 7th to 9th in Nashville, Tennessee. You can find out about it at 2018.us.wordcamp.org. And if you're interested in speaking, the call for speakers is open until July 1. Now, I'm not entirely sure if I'll be able to with schedules, but I, I think I would like to try to if I can, because it was quite, uh, quite an amazing event, amazing community, amazing group of speakers, etc. The next WordCamp Europe will be in June 20th to 22nd in Berlin, Germany. And if you're interested from Europe, you can already find out about that at 2019.europe.wordcamp.org. So, all around, I'm heading, heading to the airport, getting on planes, and flying back home today. But it was, uh, again, kudos to the organizers for a great event. It was remarkable. It was also just personally neat to have a small amount of time for dinners to go and look around Belgrade, although it was rainy, but it was beautiful. It looks like an amazing city to, uh, to come back to someday. So with all of that, I will leave it here. You can find more of my audio and writing at danyork.me. would love to hear your comments either here at soundcloud.com uh, slash danyork or on social media where you find this. And uh, that's it. Look forward to your feedback and look forward to attending a future WordCamp event somewhere. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.